0: Well, again, good morning. I guess I just saw you like a minute ago. But um, thanks for being here today. Listen, um, I'm really excited about this new series. We don't do a ton of new things I should say, we don't do a ton of things in the Old Testament. It's not because I don't like the Old Testament. It's just that I'm so fascinated by the life of Jesus, and, and I have a tendency to kind of stay in that place. But the more we thought about this series, the more we recognized the fact that, um, you know, there's, there's theophanies all over Scripture. A theophany is essentially a, um, it's a manifestation of God in the Bible that's tangible, to to humanity, right? It's God showing up and God being clear. And so as we began to think about this, one of the things we recognize is that we're Christians. And so we had Easter two weeks ago, right? So we see the Old Testament through the cross and through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What that means is that as we look in the Old Testament, every time God shows up, Jesus is showing up as well. And we know that Jesus is present in the Old Testament because he says that he is. And so as we take a look over the next, I think I think it's eight weeks, I'm not sure how long this series is, we're going to study the Old Testament in order to see Jesus and where he shows up and how he shows up. So I'm really excited about this series, but I want to admonish you, to do something now. Some of you may, may not love studying, and I get that, but we are disciples of Jesus Christ. The word disciple means learner. Really, that's that's what it actually means. And so as we study who Jesus is, we learn more profoundly to understand his presence in our lives. So what I'm gonna ask of you is to make sure that you go to the website. Our series guide is there. We'll have them, I think we'll have them next week um, with... What is it? Paper. We'll have them in paper next week. But until then, I'd love you to download the series guide and study along with us, because we're taking on some pretty heavy stuff this next eight weeks. And it's going to be, I think it's going to be a pretty incredible journey, but I'm going to need you to follow along. What I don't want is for you to come unprepared to, uh, to hear the word that God is bringing. I want us to be a community, and I've been thinking about this a lot, I want us to be a community that goes so deep into Scripture and so deep into the revelation of God that it is just pouring out of us because we're so drenched and drowning in who God is as expressed through Scripture. It is a revelation of God that is right there for us and for the taking. And so for us not to delve into that is really for us to, you know, it's malpractice for the Christian to not be a studying group of people. And so I think it's important that we do that and that we do that together. And so please, I'm going I'm to just say it one more time, go to the website, download the PDF. It's about 400 words a day with a few questions that you can answer or not, but it gets us back on the same page if we can. So we'd love to have you do that. This, this series is us looking at the Old Testament to see Jesus. And you know what's crazy? Jesus knew he was there, right? Maybe that's not crazy, but he actually, as we see in Luke 24, 27, it says, then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all of the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So it means that Jesus was showing up and he was explaining to them where he was showing up that it was really important to Him that they knew that His showing up in the Incarnation, His birth that we celebrate so much on, during our Christmas season was not the first time that, that Jesus showed up. Jesus has been present, and not only has He been present, He has been actually revealing Himself in the Old Testament again and again and again. He says it this way in John five thirty nine. He says, you search the Scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the Scriptures point to me, right? That's why we study the Scriptures, so that we might have that theophany, and we've kind of co-opted that word theophany, this revelation of God, and put a Christophany in it, so it's a revelation of Christ, even in the Old Testament. I apologize that this is shaking. If you have to close your eyes to watch me so you don't go into a seizure... It's actually really true. Um, So we may be flipping the the colors here in a bit. But, But you search the Scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. And that's a point of study that we need to understand. We don't study Scripture so that we know Scripture so well that, of course, you know, Scriptures don't save us. But the revelation of God that we see in Scripture is what saves us. Right, And so that's what we have to understand. It's not a question of, of do we know the Scriptures well enough that we're okay with God. It's not that. It's if you want to know somebody, you've got to spend time where they are revealing themselves. You've got to spend time in the things that they have spent time in so that you understand who they are, and that's really important. Jesus is clear on this, right? So we should read it as if he is there. And he shows up in a lot of different ways, One of the things that we see in the Old Testament is that the Old Testament shows us the need that we have for Jesus. And and it shows up by the law, quite honestly. By giving us the law, we're beginning to understand our need for a Savior. Paul tells us that the function of the law is to point out sin. We see this in Romans 3. We see it in Romans 4. We see it in Romans 5. We see it in Romans 7 right? The function of the law is to point out sin. Once we recognize that we are sinners and we have all fallen short of the glory of God, we recognize the need for a Savior so much more profoundly. The law never saved anyone. You know that, right? Even when the Ten Commandments were given, they were not meant to be salvation. They were meant to be in a way that we understand God and we live with one another, that we love God and love others. That's what the function of the law is. I think they're changing it. There you go. You guys all just got really dark, It's amazing how bright. That's like a massive flashlight. You're not as beautiful anymore. (laughs) You're still beautiful. I just can't see you. So I'm just going to assume your beauty from now on. I can't see it in the same way. Thanks for doing that, Jay. I appreciate it. Um, By the way, if anybody wants to, you know, drop, I don't know, $300,000, we can buy a new one. (laughs) I thought I'd ask. You never know. Um, Once we begin to see the need for a Savior, And then we begin to look at the Old Testament and the New Testament. We begin to see that Savior. Then we realize that the Savior has not been hiding. Jesus has not been hiding in Scripture. Jesus has actually been revealing himself in Scripture again and again and again. And in fact, we go from barely seeing him anywhere to seeing him everywhere. We see him in the story of Adam as a type or an anti-type of Jesus. We see him in the story of Abraham. We see him in the story of Moses. We begin to see him in all these stories in Scripture where Jesus is revealed, where all of a sudden it's clear he's been there the whole time, right? We, the Old Testament shows us the need for Jesus probably most profoundly said in the New Testament through Romans 3.20, right? For no one can ever be made right, by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. These things remind us of a need for Jesus. Not only that, the Messianic promises show us that he is coming. Right? In the Old Testament, there are these foretellings that we are going to be receiving a Savior. For example, Isaiah 53, 5 and 6. This, by the way, was written 700 years before Jesus was born. This is what it tells us. but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, and you know this text, have straight away. We have left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Now, skeptics have a tendency to contend that perhaps these prophecies were written after Jesus's time on earth. But we know that's not true, right? The Septuagint, which was the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, was completed sometime between like 200 and 150 B.C., before Christ. So there's like 200 years where this language and these prophecies were written down and clearly accepted before Jesus showed up. So in the Messianic promises, we see a need for Jesus and we see that Jesus is coming. And then all throughout the Old Testament, there are themes that foreshadow Jesus and his particular work. Let's just take one phrase, right? The, the idea of the Passover lamb or the lamb that atones for the sin of Israel. I'll go again to the New Testament, John 1 something we studied just last series. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is a theme of sacrifice. This is a theme of Passover. This is something that was put in place at the Exodus, even before, even we can go to when Adam and Eve were expelled out of the garden, this theme of sacrifice, and it is continued all throughout the Old Testament into the New Testament with the realization of what the sacrifice really is as Jesus goes to the cross, which we celebrated and lamented two weeks ago. And even all the way into Revelation, we see these themes continuing. I saw no temple in the city for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are His temple. Jesus is our new temple. The Exodus, the liberation of Israelites from bondage from the Egyptians is just a foretaste of Jesus liberating us from bondage to sin and death. And we see this all throughout the covenants. Covenantal history in the Old Testament, and if you know what I'm talking about when I say covenantal history, I'm talking about those promises that God made to us and those promises that we made to Him that we definitely didn't keep. But, but every single one of those covenants, we see... A revelation of Christ in, because it's a revelation of of a desire to be intimate with us, a desire to be with us, to be our God, and for us to be His people. This is all throughout the Old Testament. What I want you to understand through this series is this. The Scriptures, old and new, speak with one voice of one God. He is the same from creation to the end of time. It is not two different gods. It is not bifurcated. Right? There's not an Old Testament God and a New Testament God, and sometimes it feels like that. And in fact, I remember studying when I was younger in elementary school, and we'd go to those Old Testament stories and be like, well, this is the God, and he seems like he's full of wrath and he's vengeful, right? Like he's okaying genocide for his people. And, and you know, we got to recognize that, you know, these were a group of people who had just committed genocide and were like, well, God told us to. Which it may be, but it doesn't feel like the same God. So you read those stories and you get really confused. And then you come over here to the New Testament, and it feels like we've got this God full of compassion and full of love and full of grace and full of mercy and full of justice. And how do we reconcile that God with this God? Some of that is because our hermeneutic has been wrong. Right? And our vantage point has not been understood correctly. What happens is we go to the Old Testament, right? And we look at the Old Testament on Old Testament terms. There's a, there's a, there's a, that's okay. But we're Christians. So we just don't get to sit in the Old Testament without any context. Because our context is the cross and the resurrection. And so when we look at the Old Testament, We don't see just the Old Testament. We don't see just the commands of God and a vengeful and wrathful God. We see a God who is constantly moving towards his people and then finally came to his people as his people in Jesus Christ. So we don't don't look at the Old Testament, we don't look at creation without looking for Jesus. Why would we? And I always used to be confused, right? So let's just go, go to the beginning, right? In the beginning. You're familiar with those words, right? That's how the Bible starts. That's also how the book of John starts. Um, and John wrote it so that you could be reminded how the Bible starts. Right? He wrote it because he wanted to remind you of something. We, obviously, we see this connection, right, between the Genesis account and the gospel of John that we just studied. Right? In the beginning. In the, in the Old Testament, it says, in the beginning, God. So he was there right? We know that God took a look at the earth. In the John narrative, in the beginning was the word. And I don't know about you, but I always used to get a little frustrated when I read the Genesis account, because we've got in the beginning God, right? And then we've got verse 2, which says the earth was formless and empty, formless and void, if you read the old, if you read uh, King James version, right? I always like that word void. But I grew up in the, avoid the noid, do you remember that? Which I don't know what that was. Um, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep water, and the Spirit was hovering over the surface of the water. So God's there in the beginning, God, and the Spirit. And I, thought, I, never, I never liked the fact that Jesus wasn't there. It used to bug me, right? But then I go to the John account, and it says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and everything that was created was created through him. So as I look back through those texts onto the Old Testament, onto that beginning Genesis narrative, in the beginning God and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. By verse 3, we see the Word show up. Then God said... Ha-Lagos. The Word was there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then God said with words. God spoke in creation. Listen, that's why it happened. Right? As John calls Jesus the Word, we recognize as God speaks, he speaks the Word, which is Jesus. Right? In the creation account, we're told God speaks everything into existence which is a way to say that creation was brought into existence by God's Word, who is Jesus. Right? And there's this pattern that emerges, and Colossians tells us that this pattern is real and right and true. Paul confirms it in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, starting, free, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son. The earth was formless and void, who purchased our freedom and gave us our sins. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before creation, before anything was created, and is supreme over all creation. For through him, his word, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we see and the things that we cannot see. Paul tells us that Jesus was the creator of all things, the person of the Godhead who did the work of creation. This is the final piece of our puzzle, right? He made the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created, how? Through him and for him. Even the things we're creating now, we're we're experiencing now, thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities, Jesus is not only the actuator of creation, Jesus is the fulfillment of creation. The details of Genesis 1 point us to Jesus. Genesis 1 tells us that God and the Holy Spirit were present at creation. John 1 says Jesus was at creation as well, speaking specifically as the Word. Paul in Colossians then tells us that Jesus was there at creation as well. Paul is unequivocal about this. And you know why? Because Paul, one of the most powerful things about Paul's writing is that Paul understood his vantage point. He would always see through Jesus to the Old Testament, and that's why he saw him there so clearly. John would see Jesus, would see the Old Testament through Jesus, and that's why he was there so powerfully. If we study these books as bifurcated, as one that stands on its own and another one that stands on on its own, we miss the whole scope of salvation history which is a problem I think and those are good arguments I think they're pretty good arguments I think I've convinced you at least I'm convinced that I've convinced you but is there one more argument to be made because I think there's an argument that we have a tendency to forget about when it comes to if Jesus was present and it's the argument from image Right? This idea of the image of God. So the phrase image of God is found four times in the Old Testament. Genesis 1, 26 and 27, which we're about to study. And chapter 9, verse 6. We won't study that one today. In the Pentateuch, right? In the Old Testament Hebrew writing of the first five books of Moses, the Hebrew word image also appears in Genesis 5, 3, which we will study in a second, and in Numbers, which we're not studying. So let's jump into it. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Now this has tons of implications, right? And it has tons of implications for the fall in Genesis 3, which we're not studying today. But I want you to understand something. The gift that was originally given to humanity was the image of God, the likeness of God. You know what the first lie was? God doesn't want you to be like him. That's why you can't eat of that tree. That was the gift that was given was the likeness, and the lie was that you need more, and God doesn't want you to have it. And that's, that's a whole nother sermon. I'm not preaching that today. But obviously, we've got some things going on here. God said, let us. So obviously, there's a, there's a multiplicity that are involved in this conversation. God's talking to himself, but when God talks to himself, he is talking to the community of God. He is talking to the Godhead. All three, all the time, forever existing together. So God, I mean, it's, 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 you know, the implication for the Trinity is just huge, so we have to understand that. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock and the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. There's three things that are happening here. It's really big. God first says, let us make man. So he's blessing us to be in his image. The second thing is he's he's placing us in particularity. He's putting us into the garden. And then he's trusting us to have dominion over the garden. But dominion means stewardship. I hope you understand that. We are not to subdue those things. We are to take care of those things for God, which obviously has huge implications for creation care as well, right? So God says this. So what did God do? God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Think about this. God's creating and making, you know, I don't know how, how God did it, right? I always go back to that, that um, far side cartoon where God's making snakes out of clay. And he's like, these things are easy. Um, <laughs> have you not seen that? It's hilarious, I think. Um, I don't know that that's how it happened. I don't think so. But I do know this. When he got to man, when he got to humankind, and when we say man, we're talking anthropos, humanity. When he got to humanity, he said, hang on a minute before we just barrel in and make this thing, before we make this creature, what's gonna be different about this creature? What's gonna be different about this creature is that this creature is gonna have our image, right? So what's the pattern of that image, right? Where does that pattern come from? Does it come from God? We don't know what God looks like. Does it come from the Holy Spirit? We have a tendency to not be able to place a, a look on the Holy Spirit, right? When you try and draw the Holy Spirit, it's a wind, a cloud or something. We don't know what to do. You know, when you do that thing, like, how does the Trinity work? Oh, it's, it's, it's like water, right? It's like liquid and, and gas and, and solid. You know that the Holy Spirit's always going to be the gas, right? Like, that's what we do. Who gets to be the ice? That's what I want to know. Metaphors break down. But he stopped and he said, we need to pattern this after ourselves. So what's the pattern? Pattern's got to be Jesus, who was willing to come in the flesh and take on that very same pattern, right? But what does that image stand for? What does that mean, right? Some have suggested that the image refers to like our mental and spiritual capacities. Others stress kind of a physical resemblance, right? Two eyes, a nose, a mouth, that's what it is. And by the way, it, the fact that we would look like this is kind of surreal. If you've ever seen real demonstrations of the angels that are, that are um, explained in Revelation, you know how crazy they look, right? If you haven't seen it, just Google it. There are some amazing examples of what those angels look like. And they are not like the, the cherubim and seraphim that we think of. They've got, like, wings and eyes all over the wings and arms and heads. Like, it's a little freaky. The fact that we look like this means there's a pattern somewhere, right? But some people stress that physical resemblance. Still others connect the image of God to the idea of being God's representatives here on earth. Yet others talk about the capacity for us to have a relationship with God. Chances are all those things are probably a bit true, right? There's some pattern that we were built after. And in that pattern, there is a Christophany. There's a revelation of God through who we are and the image that we bear, right? We use this term again in Genesis 5, right? This is the written account of the descendants of Adam. When God created human beings, he made them to be like himself. Same word. Used in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, same word used in Genesis 5, 1. He created them, male and female, and he blessed them, and he called them human. Right? by the way, this should be clear. There's not hierarchy among the, the genders. You know that, right? We are, we are made and blessed, so we should understand that. When Adam was 130 years old, you read that right, he became the father of a son who was just like Adam him. Same image in his very image. He named his son Seth. Genesis 5, 1 and 3 may suggest that the image of God also includes a resemblance of all human faculties and the entire human being resonates with the Lord of the universe, right? We are made in a pattern of God. Therefore, when we show up, the image of God shows up. The image of God that is most perfectly expressed through Jesus Christ. But when you show up, there is an imageness, a a parallel to who God is. That doesn't make you God. That makes you a reflector of who God is. That means that when human beings showed up, Jesus showed up in the pattern in which they were built. And every time another being comes into existence, there's an opportunity for the image of God to be revealed right? Uh, Second Corinthians says it this way. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand his message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God, the image, the likeness of God, not a copy of a copy of a copy. This is why we go back to creation to see what that pattern was supposed to look like. The sun in Hebrews, the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down at the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Again, we see that image and likeness. While it might be resemblance in looks, it is definitely resemblance in character and power. And as we live our lives in line with what God wants for this world, The image of God is revealed, and there's a Christophany that happens to the world through you. We see this from the very pattern of creation. You see, Jesus is present in creation, present in the likeness that we carry of God, and he's present in us. I was was preaching at this college, um, one of our colleges, um, that... That is by one of our churches. I won't tell you what college it was, but um, and I, I got off the stage. I was speaking about something very different than this, and I got off the stage, and um, and the, this old man comes up to me, and like old, not old like me, like old old, um, and and he comes up to me and he says, he you know we do the thing that Avenists do, like oh do you know so and so? I'm like yeah I know so and so. Like we establish the two degrees of separation, so we're you know part of the community, like. We're in the center of belonging. And he said, I have a question for you. And I said, yeah, what's that? And he said, "Um, Jesus didn't exist until he was um, incarnated, until he came to earth. And I was like, that's not a question. And that's not what I was talking about. You heard what I was talking about. Nothing to do with this. And he said, I know, but that's my question to you. Jesus did not exist before he was born. Therefore, he's not really part of the Trinity. And I was like, I'm still failing to hear the question. But, uh, okay, I don't think that's true. What about John 1.1? And he was like, well, he was wrong. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, and he said, yeah, the, just, there the, you know. And I said, well, then what were we patterned after? What does the image of God mean? Where did that come from? And he had this answer and that answer. And I don't remember. I kind of stopped paying attention. It was, it was a long conversation. And I thought i, I, I thought as I left that night, I, thought, I felt so bad. I mean, I was, you know what I was really excited for? I was excited that this man who was probably close to his 90s, if not in his 90s, was still working on stuff. Like, good for him. Like, his faith's not settled. He's working on stuff. I think he came to the wrong conclusion, but he's working on it. Good for him. You know, God's still doing a work in us. He's still a learner. But what I thought as I walked away is, man, to not have the assurance that Jesus has been there from forever till forever, To, to not think that Jesus was there at creation as they were creating us. And when they said, what should we make these creatures look like? God looked at his son and went, you're pretty good. I'd like you to be like, I'd like them to be like you i like them to reveal me by the way that they live in the image in which they carry, what they reflect. I want to create a lasting legacy in my image so that the world knows that from creation to revelation, the same God has been reflected in them. From the very first to the very last, he took a beat. Creation And he said, not yet. We're not making these ones the same way that we made the other ones because these ones will reflect me. And there's no better reflection of me than Jesus. And what's crazy is that we are continuing to reflect him today. When we lean into things like compassion and mercy and love and belonging and justice and peace, man, those are the things that reveal who God is to the world. And we get a chance to do that in His image and in His likeness. There's a Christophany in you. And there's a Christophany in you. And on a good day, there's a Christophany in me showing the world who Jesus is. We're studying the Old Testament, but these concepts didn't stay in the Old Testament. Do you think God's not showing up anymore? You think he decided to take a break and not be present in the world anymore? That's not true. We wouldn't be here if we thought that. This series is gonna be work, just so you know, because we're gonna see where Jesus reveals himself thematically, where he reveals himself personally, where he reveals himself through his type and anti-type people who are like him and people who are definitely not like him, all that's going to be revealed through these next eight weeks. So you got to go along for the journey. You got to study with us because at the end of the day, we want to know who you're reflecting and you want to make sure that the Christophany people see in you is absolutely the image of God, that same God from creation to revelation. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you. Lord, thank you for imbuing us with your image, with your likeness. Both me, my brothers, and my sisters, they're all made like you. So Lord, may we be Christophanies for someone today, someone this week. May we be love. May we be grace. May we be understanding. May we be hope. May we be mercy. May we be justice. May we be belonging. So that no one has to suffer the indignity of losing your image. May we reflect you. And Lord, may we see you explode out of the pages of the Old Testament through this series. In your name I pray, amen. Stand and worship with us one more time.